Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm going to choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Welcome back to Insight Live. I'm sitting here with Brendan Kumarasamy, Brendan K, they call him from Master Talk. And today we're going to explore a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart, Brendan, and that is Scott Harrison. Scott Harrison is somebody that you could talk about. You just said before we started this, you could talk about him for five hours easily. So let's start there. Why could you talk about him for so long? Yeah, it's a great question, man. I think for me, and this is just a great principle for anyone in life, is pick heroes. There are human beings who have one thing that people who are younger than you just don't have, which is lived experience. There are millions of people, billions of people who have already played this game called life. So the fastest way to being successful is figuring out who you want to model your life against and using them as compasses to be extremely successful. And for me, Scott Harrison was my compass. You know, before I learned about his story, before I learned about what he did, I was pretty focused on just money, to be frank. Make half a million dollars a year, buy a big house, get nice things, and live a very simple but luxurious life. Then when I heard Scott's story, I pivoted really quickly to what I had before. So the reason I could talk about Scott is because he's one of my heroes. So I've researched him a lot more than the average human being. And I encourage all of you who are listening to do that with your heroes. Because the more that you start to study how somebody does something, instead of just saying wow all the time whenever you think of your hero, you can actually seek to become them as well. Okay, so let's go back in time when you didn't know who he was. Talk about the first time you discovered him and what that looked like in terms of now you are aware of this human being, what impressed you. And I know we're going to get into the story of like what he's done. He was, I know, a massive promoter and obviously now is running a major nonprofit organization to help in the water crisis, which we'll get into all of that. But when you didn't know who he was, how did you first find him? Right. And I think context on this is important as well, in the sense that the reason why Scott Harrison impressed me so much is because he actually changed my mind about something, which is that nonprofit organizations can actually sustainably solve a problem. And this was my perspective long before I met Scott, which was this. If you want to solve a world problem, go through capitalism. Capitalism solves the world's problems, like Tesla, what Elon's doing with Tesla and the energy crisis, etc. 
And we hear all of these stories about how nonprofits misuse their money. This X percentage goes to administration. There's not as much transparency and all the like. So before and how I met Scott was super simple. It was through Lewis Howes' podcast. So I was probably a year into the podcast and I was listening to episode one and all the way up. And he came up at episode, he was the newest guest, 367 or whatever. So I listened to it and it blew my mind for many reasons. I would say the biggest reason is the guy was super smart and sharp in the way that he thought about problem solving. He wasn't just a philanthropist who said, I want to change the world. I'm going to do this, but was actually super practical and how to solve the problem. So that gave him a lot of credibility right off the bat versus other people I've seen in the same industry. Number two, he's an exceptional storyteller. The way that he's able to gather buy-in for such a simple problem, because everyone can agree that every single human being should have access to water. And the way that he cultivated like such a cult following to donate money to a charity just blew my mind. Like I honestly, the reason I got so excited by Scott in the first place is because I couldn't believe it. I was like, is this like a scam? Is this, uh, how did he even do this? And the third piece that really shocked me was when he talked about his 100% model. So how Charity Water Works, which is the nonprofit organization Scott runs, is when he started the org, he had no nonprofit experience. He was a nightclub promoter in New York City, one of the best ones, I might add, which is important later in his story. But the idea is, Since he knew nothing about charities before he started Charity Water, he just did a little survey. And he would go up to people who were really rich in New York City and just say, why don't you trust charities? And every Mm. single one of those people said, well, yeah, we don't trust charities because we don't really know where the money goes. We don't know where the money... And he's like, whoa, this is crazy. So what he did, and I was one of those people, by the way, guilty as charged. But what he did is he said, okay, I'm going to create two bank accounts. One bank account where 100% of all the money goes straight to the programs. So if you donate 20 bucks, that 20 bucks goes directly to someone in aid. But to fund your donation, he has a separate bank account that rich people fund to fund all the overhead costs. This is what he called Mm -hmm. the well. That was absolutely insane. It's like going up to a high net worth individual who's worth $5 million and say, hey, I don't want you to fund programs or water, let Billy do that. I need you to fund the salaries, the printing costs, the credit card transaction fees. And the craziest thing of all of it is he pulled all three of those things off flawlessly, despite some of the challenges. So those were the three reasons that caught my eye initially. Okay. So let's go a bit deeper on problem solving because you highlighted that as one of the things that stood out. It really impressed you. And you gave an example of how he solved a problem, which is, hey, people don't trust nonprofits. They don't know where the money's going to go. They don't have confidence that when they donate money, that it's actually going to go to the intended purpose or cause that they think it's going to. So he solved that. What are some other things that stand out from a problem solving perspective, either the way in which he thinks or something that you picked up from the book that would be valuable to share right now? Absolutely. So the first piece is definitely that one that you just mentioned around how most people don't trust charities, including me, by the way. Charity Water was my first ever $1,000 donation to a charity. Before that, I had never donated more than 50 or 100 bucks to a charity, right? So I was same level of skepticism. And by the way, so just so we're transparent, I still have that level of skepticism for most nonprofits. 
I just make an exception for charity water. So that's worth noting for the pod as well. The second thing that really is interesting about Scott that we can all learn from him is when we think about nonprofit, focus on the hope rather than the despair. So of course, you know, the water crisis is a tragic thing. Not 10% of the world's population is literally drinking dirty water every day, like brown water. It's like absolutely mental. It's something that we can't fathom. And frankly, I can't even fathom it because it's never happened in my life. But this is a real thing that's happening for one out of 10 human beings, where they wake up every day and just drink brown water. But what most nonprofits do is they focus on the despair. I'm I'm sure everyone has seen those commercials where you see all the bad stuff that's happening and, and you pretty much give money out of guilt. That's how you donate and that's how you give funds. You kind of feel bad and it doesn't leave a very good feeling in your stomach. You're kind of just trying to solve your own guilt towards that problem. Whereas what Scott did brilliantly with his wife, Victoria, from a branding perspective is he said, look, let's focus on the hope. Let's focus on making this a party. This is amazing. This is a journey. Billy, I would love for you to come on this journey with us. If we had a million people like you, Billy, who would donate 20 to 30 bucks a month, imagine how many lives we could save. That was very revolutionary to the way that Scott told the story of Charity Water, gave the hope piece, and more specifically, and this is another key that I learned from Scott Harrison, is include everyone in the story, not just the founder. So what Scott did exceptionally well is he didn't just talk about his personal story, where he said, okay, I was a nightclub, there's a lot of focus there, but he also celebrates all the other stakeholders around Charity Water. Here's a quick Mm -hmm. example of that. Nora is an eight-year-old girl who gave eight bucks to Charity Water. Basically how the story went is she wanted to give money to charity, that organization. She went to her mom and she said, mommy, how much money do I have in my piggy bank? And then her mom looked at it and said, eight bucks. And she donated, Nora donated, sent the envelope with like the change to Charity Water and said, hey, I would love for this to go to clean water. Notice how you're smiling there, right? Telling the stories of other people. That's a true story. So Charity Water went to her house, filmed her, made a whole commercial called the $8 campaign, raised a million bucks. It was absolutely crazy. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Right. So there's a lot we can learn from Scott. I love that, man. Okay. So you find him through Lewis and then you're fascinated. I want to get into his book in a minute, but before we do, when you heard him you mentioned a few things which impressed you problem solving that he changed your mind about how you solve problems, world problems or big picture problems, you know, human problems. And he made you change your mind where you used to think it could only be solved using business capitalism, things of that nature. But you now actually believe it can be solved through a nonprofit What else impressed you? If you could go back and, you know, you were maybe a year into listening to Lewis and you found that episode, what else stood out from that first experience listening to him being interviewed? And then we'll get into the book. Right. And let's double click on the problem solving piece. I'll give you an insight I actually never talked about publicly, which is what Scott convinced me of that I ended up being wrong on and he was right. And what he ultimately convinced me of is the following, Billy. There's some problems in the world that you don't need nonprofits for. I'll give you the best example. The problem I'm solving, public speaking for the world, at the end of the day, I can self-fund that pretty much entirely. I'll explain why. It's knowledge, 80% of it's knowledge, right? Democratizing that knowledge. Hey, Billy, check out this video. 
hey, John, check out this video. So I bear those production costs. And then I use coaching revenue from all my exec clients and I fund my own dream. And then as I become, you know, as my personal brand increases, I develop a free curriculum and I just teach it to all the everybody else for free, open source, like what Tesla did. So I solved the problem pretty much for no money. And I actually end up profiting significantly from it as well. So I hope that logic makes sense for people listening. But what Scott convinced me of, and he was absolutely correct on this, is you can't do that with every problem. And the reason is because in problems where only the bottom 10% of the human population is affected, capitalism doesn't work, period, for the most part. Because we can't fund these innovations through money from the bottom 10% because they have no money. Here's another quick, easy example to demonstrate this because I know I'm a bit long-winded here. When VHS tapes, HDMI cables, HDTV started, and iPhones, they first sold to the rich at an extremely high premium to make up all the research and development costs. So HDTVs used to be in the tens of thousands of dollars, as you probably know yourself. And then the cost went down incrementally. So now all of us can afford a TV. That doesn't apply with the water crisis. Yeah, it's a good distinction. And I mean, look, having worked at Tesla, I know very well the model that Elon set out when he did his master plan, part one, it clearly it's produced something that's high ticket that you're going to target people who are affluent and have the means to afford that, which will then fund a more affordable car, which will then fund the most affordable car. So and he executed on that perfectly. Okay, so you find Scott. When did you read the book? And then what are the principles of the book that are most meaningful? Because this is your favorite book. Every book you've read, this is your favorite one. Why is it your favorite one? And when did you read it? How long after when you first were, you know, heard him on Lewis? 2015, 2016. And the book came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, for those who don't know, I was actually on the book launch team for Thirst. So when Thirst finally came out, I was so shocked when I got the email that he was going to release a book. I jumped at the chance to be on his launch team. I actually personally sold probably 300 copies of the book. I messaged like every single person I knew in my network. And I said, hey, I'll send you the picture after. I think you'll find it fun. But yeah, like uh, that's, that's what I did. So I knew his story pretty well. But what Thirst does is it goes into pretty much every single move line by line from the beginning. Here's why Thirst is such an important read. And I'll tell you who it's for. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You say every single, is it from him starting Charity Water? Correct. That's the play by play? Okay. Got it. Yeah. Every single play is in the book. From, even before that, from when he started, the story actually begins when he's 18 in the book, where he first gets into the nightlife. New York City. So there's a lot of details in the book he doesn't actually cover in podcasts, which is normal, right? Because the Audible is like a few hours and you only have an hour or something on a podcast. So that's what happened. But let's go from the bottom top. Here's who I think the book is for. The book is a great example of an individual trying to solve a global problem that is advancing the human race and is damn successful at it. Damn successful at it. Who isn't an Elon Musk? who isn't this big, you know, super genius. He's just a guy who had a lot of hustle. And he's, he's very smart as well, but from a different lens. But it gives you hope that you can also solve one problem as well. And there's a great quote by the book that we can start with. And the quote is by Scott Harrison, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. So when I read that book and I finished it, I knew that I was meant to solve one problem too. And that later ended up becoming 
master talk two years later when I had the idea for it for public speaking. But basically what this does is it gives a blueprint for any change maker in the world who actually wants to make a difference in the world to know exactly how to do it play by play. That's what Scott Harrison's book is for. So for anyone who actually wants to make a difference, that's a must read in my opinion. Do you think the change maker who this would best apply for is someone who's solving a problem for, let's call it, you know, you mentioned people who are in the lower 10% from just a standpoint of, of financial well-being. Is that who it's meant for or really anybody that wants to solve a world problem? Great, great follow-up. This is more my personal opinion. I think it's relevant for everybody. Whether you're trying to build the next Tesla or whether you're trying to build the next nonprofit, you definitely want to be reading Scott's book. And I'll tell you why. Whenever we think most of problems in the world, it's very depressing, Billy. You're like, oh, this is happening. Everyone's always complaining about everything that's happening in the world. And it's just bad energy. It's bad woo-woo. You don't want to do it. You don't feel you could accomplish it. Scott Harrison is a textbook example of someone who wasn't supposed to change the world and who did at a, at a level that is unfathomable for the world. So that's why I'm a big uh, advocate of what he does and also the principles that he teaches in the book, whether you're an entrepreneur or someone who's trying to solve a problem for the bottom 10. Got it. Okay. So let's talk about some of those principles. You call it a blueprint. What are some of the key tenets of the blueprint that stand out? Obviously somebody needs to read the book to get all this, the nuance and the detail, but let's use broad strokes here. What are some of the key elements that stand out? Yeah. So let's go ahead and summarize a couple of points I touched on earlier so people have a nice clean bullet list. Number one is story tell your ideas in a way that includes everybody, not just yourself. That's probably the biggest insight I got from Thirst. So for example, and this is good feedback for even me introspecting as we're talking, when I started Master Talk, whenever I would communicate it, it was always, hey, Billy, I'm starting this YouTube channel because I want to make public speaking videos to see what I can do, to show what the expertise, that was the wording I would use. And today that messaging has changed dramatically from the I to the we, where, hey, Master Talk is for the seven-year-old girl who can't afford me in any part of the world. I'm creating videos for them so that they grow up watching my videos and become much better, a much better communicator than Elon was. So notice how my languaging has changed from I to we. It's about other people. And that's something that Scott Harrison does, not just from a messaging perspective, but also from a branding and a marketing perspective. Like the example I gave with Nora's eighth birthday, he, has a, he released a campaign last week called Tiny Heroes, where you have these, these kids across the world who are raising, like, there's one kid who's like 12, raised like 27 grand for charity water. And there's a campaign that celebrates these kids. So... Scott has done this in ways that I haven't even come close to, where he has done the we languaging, not just from a messaging perspective, but also from branding and marketing. So what does this tell for any change maker who's building a business or something that matters is include the people who are supporting your journey in the way that you story brand. Another easy example to explain this is Nike does this really well with the athletes that they support and how they spotlight them in their commercials and in what they do. Okay. So language is vital and I'm so with you on that. I think that's a key cornerstone to the optics, the, the way in which our messages are perceived, the way in which they're embraced. And you don't need to look very far to study the psychology of language and how it matters in how we take on 
ideas and information companies and pretty much anything that makes a ton of sense. What else stands out from his blueprint when you think about the things that he's done really well, because actually one of the things I want to get into is like, okay, how effective has he been? It is a monumental challenge, but I guess part of me is like, it's still hard to believe that in 2021, we haven't figured this out. And is it that we haven't figured it out or that we're not putting the resources to do it? And I'm so glad that you and others who are advocates for charity water and obviously Scott, all the work he's done, that it exists at the same time. It's, it hurts my stomach to think that we have not gotten there yet. So what else is part of his blueprint? And then we'll get into the kind of like, what's the success that he's seen? And then where are the opportunities to keep going? Of course, absolutely. So the second thing that Scott Harrison has done exceptionally well that I would argue no other nonprofit executive in the world has done at the level he's done it is understanding who his core customer is and where they're coming from. Mm. So most people, right, in the nonprofit space, and I'm generalizing a little bit, right, they don't focus enough on their top clientele who are the richest people who are funding most of the revenue. Right. So let's say somebody's worth five million dollars. They're donating to a nonprofit because they want to give back. They want to do something important. So there needs to be a big accountability piece there, which is what are you actually doing with my money play by play? And what level of empathy are you showing for that? Scott takes that to a whole other level where he calls it the well. But the well is a lot more than just a group of people who give money to charity water. It's an accountability group. It's a community group. Everyone in the will knows each other. He, he gives them like special gifts, like things like that, special status roles. It's, it's like there's a certain status about being in the well because a lot of people in the well are actually extremely impressive. I'll give you a couple of names right now. Daniel Eck, the founder of Spotify. Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. Gary Vaynerchuk. There's just some examples of people who are in the well. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is the way and how he markets it. It's a very exclusive, it's a private community. So the way that he appeals to the rich, the way that he appeals to high net worth individuals from a philanthropic perspective is very intriguing. And so a good way Gary Vee actually explained this in an interview with Scott Harrison is he said in the same way that you learned how to sell $50 bottles of champagnes for $2,000 at a nightclub in New York City, you're doing the same skills, you're applying that same marketing tactic to philanthropy. So that's another thing we can learn from Scott is really paying attention to who your core customer is and understanding what they actually want. Because at the end of the day, people who have high net worths want results. And even if results are much harder to attain in a nonprofit setting, because you don't have as much resources, they still want that accountability. And Scott has created an incentive structure where, hey, all of the money that you're giving me is going into salary, so I better justify every penny that I'm making or else you're going to leave and go give money to something somewhere else. So there's a huge amount of trust that is immediately built into Scott's organization that no other nonprofit in the world has. What is he doing right? And it makes perfect sense. I, I knew immediately where you were going. When you think about his background, there's a certain type of person when you're doing super high end parties and events in New York and clubs where it's the top people in the city going to these clubs where they're, you know, bottle service and all these different crazy things. It's so interesting to see the parallels, finding people who want to be part of the well. What do you think is the attraction that he's done right? Because obviously to your point, you need to know your customers. 
what do you think he has done exceptionally well to get them to not only feel comfortable, but feel this desire to want to be part of this, I guess you could call it a, he's created a culture where there's an attraction to be a part of it. Great question. So one thing that I specifically think that Scott has done exceptionally well, nobody talks about, is his ability to build personal brand as a nonprofit founder. So here's a question I'll throw back to you as a thought experiment, Billy. How many nonprofit CEOs do you know who appear on podcasts as often as Scott Harrison does? Mm, it's a good question. Yeah, think? I mean, I, I think there's very few. I mean, I would guess, yeah. Right, it's a trick he's question. Definitely, he's definitely very, very public. As a brand, as a leader of a nonprofit, I can't think of anyone who's more at the forefront. So that's a good point. Exactly. It's a trick question, right? I was expecting you to say that. But that's the point, right? Like, just the fact that he puts that much effort into his personal brand in a way that literally no other nonprofits yet. I'll give credit where it's due. There's one other CEO. I'll give a shout out to Tim Ballard, who's the CEO of uh, Operation Underground Railroad, helps people with human trafficking. Great, great mission, great guy. Great insights as well. He's a bit public too, but no one is top Scott on the number of podcast appearances and the number of PR that he does in press. So what this does, is it creates an aura around him and elevates him to a certain status that people look up to, including me, and go, wow, I really want to join the well someday. And that's one of my goals, by the way, in my 20s, is to join the well. Because, not just because the mission is important, but also because of the status around Scott Harrison. That's one piece. The other piece, and this is one thing Scott has done well, but with choosing the right problem to solve, is the conversation is not that hard. So let's say, so for example, he closed Gary Vaynerchuk. He was, Gary is one of the first people to join the well long time ago. This is probably like 10 years ago. He's one of the oldest members. And he closed them one-on-one. And the conversation is really simple. You have different political beliefs than I do. You have different religious beliefs than I do. But do you think that every single human being should have a glass of water to drink? Everyone says yes. So that's why the conversation isn't that hard, as long as you can convince people of the ROI. And then what he did after that, because how he got Gary was through an introduction by a guy named Chris Saka. Chris Saka is a very well-known venture capitalist. He was an early investor in Uber, Twitter, et cetera. Chris made the intro to Gary. So Scott is, I believe, I don't know exactly, I have to ask him when I meet him someday, but I believe he's actually closed most of those well people in one-on-one dinner conversations. Mm, okay. So clearly his personal brand, there's a status piece. He's also doing the legwork himself by having one-on-one conversations, closing them. He is a hero to you. And in many ways you, you know, revere him so much that you, you're modeling a lot of what you're doing after him. What haven't we explored yet about Scott that people wouldn't know that maybe, you know, if you're not familiar with his story and as much as he, does have a personal brand, I would guess that a good percentage of people may not know who he is at all. And if they do, they know very little about him. We know now through this conversation, some of those pieces, but what else is so impressive about him that would make it worth sharing right now? His subscription model. So he has a subscription recurring revenue stream model for his nonprofit called The Spring. So the spring is basically where you donate 30 bucks a month. It's 40 now. And with that 40 bucks, you get one person clean water every month. So I'm a member of the spring as an example. But what Scott Harrison has done very well, and he's the only nonprofit I know of who has done this 
like at a level that is unheard of, is he creates a whole community out of it. So the spring is not just you give money and that's it. You get an email every month with an update. They tell you where the well is, literally, where the well is, where it is on the website. So you can actually go see the well that you're helping fund. It's absolutely bonkers when you're spending 40 bucks a month or something. And the other pieces, they even have book clubs. You can actually go meet other members of the spring. So he's made it this entire community. The way that he describes it, it's a movement rather than the money. So it's, it doesn't matter if you donate $5 a month or $5,000 a month. It's about, are you, are you in on this party? Are you in so that we can join together as a group to solve this big problem? That's what he's done really well through his marketing. And as you see, because I know you watched this 20-minute video, the call to action is join the spring. It's not join the well, which is like 60 grand US a year. It's, hey, can you give five bucks a month? Can you give 30 bucks a month? And he got Daniel Eck, the founder of Spotify, the music service, to help him build out that subscription service. And Scott Harrison is the only nonprofit executive in the world who has revolutionized that Spotify concept in nonprofit. And today, the the Spring has over 50,000 members and brings in a lot of money for Scott Harrison's cause. And the people that have joined the spring is the idea then you mentioned that it's $40 a month. It's actually going to somebody. You can almost track it and see where it's going. And just to kind of replay what you said earlier, then all of that money goes to the cause versus the well, all of that money goes towards operations. You got it. Yeah. So an easy way to explain this is let's say I do 40 bucks a month. Mine goes to the Gary V funds, the salaries of the people at charity. Got it. Okay. So Subscription model, obviously great and innovative, and we know it works. We see membership. We see more and more SaaS companies starting every single day that employ a membership-based model. I don't care where you look, Adobe, I mean, anything. It's like everything's in the cloud and a nonprofit. It makes sense as well, especially if you're doing something like that, which everybody does agree that we should all have access to clean water. And if somebody feels that they can help by contributing $40 a month, then, oh, we went real quick. So Andy, what was, the info on the guy for the human trafficking, he didn't catch his name. What was that guy's name again? Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard. Okay, cool. So now as we think through where Charity Water is today, what is the opportunity or if you were invited to be part of a strategic session with Scott. And he said, Brendan, what ideas do you have? What would you say? Right. So before we get there, let's start by talking about the last thing, which is his track record, which is super impressive that people need to know about. Because the reason I like Scott is, yeah, sure, the marketing, he's done all that well. He's built his personal brand, but he's also got the numbers. He has served over 10 million people, 10 million people in the world, not 10,000, M, 10 million people in the world now have access to clean water because of everything he's done. He's raised half a billion dollars in 13 years. Not million, half a B, $500 million since he started Charity Water, which is amazing. And just to give people an idea, the water crisis is estimated to affect 650 to 750 million human beings, which which is of course tragic. But what's insane that people need to understand is as one organization, as one organization, Scott Harrison has solved over 1% of the global problem, which is 
nuts. And the reason it hasn't been solved in full is just funding. Because we're always focused on different problems and different priorities, and humans are very emotional-based, they're always reacting. If we all just sat down and just gave Scott Harrison like $15, $20 billion, he could probably solve most of the problem for us, in my opinion. But let's go back to the strategic planning. So what do I think? Let's pause for a second. I just want to make sure. So he, because of what he's done through Charity Water, half a billion dollars raised, one clarification, it makes perfect sense that it's a funding, the gap is funding. And if you, and to your point, if he had more then he could do it, curious how much attention, and I don't know how much you know about the nuance, how much attention is solving systemic issues versus putting a bandaid on the problem. And the reason I say that where my mind goes is we could do a great job of continuing to raise money to provide water to places where they don't have clean water what would make sense to me is the infrastructure to allow them, and I'm speaking generally, them collectively, the 650 million people, which is, you know, one eighth practically or one tenth of the global population. That's a monumental number of people. So I'm curious how much of the effort is spent on solving, because to your point, you said if he had the money, he could do it. How much is spent on figuring out ways to, solve systemic issues so that people can get water on an ongoing basis? Great question. So I don't want to get too complicated here, but I'm happy to give the overview. So the water crisis, the solution is already invented. All the technology already exists. So most of the capital that Charity Water funds, they have water partners in different countries around the world. And most of the money, to your point, goes into infrastructure and the rest goes into maintenance of that infrastructure. I'll give you an example in Africa. I forgot which country in specific within Africa, but let's just use that as a global to explain this. Is in Africa, for the most part, a lot of the water is actually fresh, but it requires a drilling rig to get access to the water at the bottom. So what happens is Charity Water needs to invest a significant more money in Africa to get the water, which is different than other countries. I'll explain a bit later. And then after the water comes out, somebody needs to maintain that well. So what Google did a few years ago is they gave Charity Water, I believe the number was 10 million or something, to design GPS tracking devices for all their wells. So every well in the world is tracked in a database in Charity Water. And the mechanics who are running around in motorcycles around Africa know exactly which wells are working and which ones aren't. So that's why, so basically they spend like 20 days out of 30 of their month. They they pretty much see their families two days a month. It's kind of crazy what their job is. And all they do is they fix wells that are built. So that way it creates that systemic to your point. But the other point I'll add as well is in some countries like Cambodia, the cost to get somebody access to water is actually very, very low. We're talking $10, $15 a person. And the reason is because all of the water is already there at the surface level because a lot of the country like has water that's just literally on the surface. You don't have to drill for it. So that's more a contamination issue where they use these things called biosand filters. And that's where most of the money goes into in Cambodia. And through buying this, And to get the community involved, the community has to invest a certain percentage of their income into that biosand filter as well so that they maintain it on their own. So there's a lot of complex kind of gears here, but to keep this simple for people, Charity Water is definitely, they definitely know their stuff. They definitely thought through this A to Z and the impact 
has, has definitely been created for sure. So yeah, most of the money goes to infra. Got it. Okay. That's helpful. So now let's go into, you're in a strategic war room with Scott and his team of leaders, people that he trusts. You're now one of those trusted advisors. What do you tell him? First thing, intensive communication training for all of the executives and all the employees at Charity War. That would be the priority number one. Every single person in this company, every single person in this nonprofit is a brand ambassador and they don't have funds to hire a, a top-end speech coach. So that's the first thing I want to do the second I meet them is free communication training. I don't care if it costs a hundred grand, I'll just front all of that for free and make them all 10 times better than they already are. It'll automatically increase the funding that they'll raise. It'll be easier for them to speak out their story and explain Charity Water. And that also includes training for all of the brand ambassadors for the brand, their kids, all that stuff. Encourage them to get into the streets and really communicate their ideas better. That would be the first thing that I would focus on. The second thing that I would focus on is really on the number of how do we increase the number of spring members? I believe the number is currently 50,000 to a million. Because if we got that number to a million and the average person donates 30 to 40 bucks a month, that's $30 million a month, which is crazy, right? So they'll raise hundreds of millions of dollars a year and they'll be able to solve this thing before Scott Harrison, you know, God forbid, dies or retires as CEO of Charity Water. That's the idea. So now the question is, how do you scale from 50 grand to a million? So what I would think about, and I would do this with Scott, like we'd spend an hour or a couple of hours doing this over some lunch or something, is we would go through all of the influencers that he currently doesn't have relationships with. Okay. I want to emphasize doesn't and make a list of all the big podcasts. And then my responsibility and the people that I know who are big in the space is what I'm going to do in five years. I guess I'm giving, giving away my master plan on live, but it's okay. Two people are watching. So it's all good. Then what's going to happen is through every single person he doesn't have a relationship with, I'm personally going to dive into my own network to make sure he gets intros to all of the other big shows after I get on them. That's the big play. And then going to live events or communities of people who have very high networks. Like for example, he's not very involved in the Tony Robbins community. Nobody knows who he is. All those people are multimillionaires. A lot of those individuals are. And I'm the one who's doing that for him and he doesn't even know that. Because right? I'm, I'm going into that community and I'm promoting charity water. So it's also about thinking about who are the members of your well and what communities, especially in the personal development space that you can enter and quickly get them aligned to what your brand is and what your vision is. That would probably be the second thing. Okay. Well, yeah. And it makes perfect sense, right? If you have these influencers that you're untapped at this point, getting them to obviously believe and support and be advocates, brand ambassadors, for the mission of Charity Water would be valuable. And then to your point, your first point, which is prepare and give people the knowledge to be able to effectively share the reason why they are part of Charity Water, why they are so passionate about the mission. And then they could then obviously help spread it. And I think that goes with anyone that's a brand ambassador for the organization. So now that you've done those two things, what else would you suggest? Because to your point, to go from 50,000 to a million, that's a big delta. That's a big gap. And you could do it with influencers for sure, but I'm sure there's another thing up your sleeve. What would be one more thing? 
I'll be honest, Billy. This this is going to be a tough one for you. I have like 17 things. So this is going to be a long interview. Okay, so the third thing I would do is I would go to their top 100 brand ambassador. And so I literally would have them all do. Because Scott Harrison has made this easy. Which is another thing I want to emphasize. Is he's created a YouTube video that literally anyone on this call can watch. And in 20 minutes, 25%, I believe he said 20%. No, sorry. 17% of the people who actually watched that video, if my number is correct, actually joined the spring after that what, that video is over. That's mind-boggling, right? Basically, what he did is he commissioned the CEO Free the Children. And he was it was this video called Coney on the internet. It got like 120 million views for nonprofit. And he commissioned that guy to make that video. It is a great video. I mean, it came up as an ad and I watched the entire thing. It's fantastic. I love that. And you know what's crazy about this, Billy? And that's why I don't, and this is just me being honest, that's why I take Scott Harrison very seriously relative to every other person. You know what the budget of that video was? $50,000. Any nonprofit can do that. Why is Scott the only one who does it? It just, it kind of drives me a bit crazy. But it reinforces the idea that I really need to back Scott and help him. So here's the third strategy. What I would tell Scott is go up to your top thousand fans or go to your members of the spring, all 30, 40, 50,000 of them, and do the following. Simple ask, no money, keep donating your 40 bucks. I love you. And I would try and get in-person relationships with as many of them as possible and get them to only do one thing, which is share that spring video with every single person in their network. That's it. So it's literally a copy-paste on everyone on Facebook. If all 50,000 did that with 1,000 people each, that's like 5 million people like right off the bat. 17% of them convert to spring members. Holy crap. That's immediate million spring members right away, and that solves all those problems. Okay, so that's three. We got, what, 14 yeah, more to go? I got, no, I got a lot, man. No, no, no. Give us your two or three other top ones that you think. Let's move the needle, right? Because what I love about this is this could apply to anyone doing anything, right? It could apply to business. It could apply to somebody else who runs a nonprofit. It could apply to somebody that wants to support charity water and wants to think about how they can help. So, and I love the idea of levers that you could pull, but a lever is go to all the people that are already familiar with the cause that are already investing, get them to further their investment by raising awareness through their own networks. Okay, so what else? Yeah, I would say the next thing is pick your top 100 influencers who have donated, who have raised the most money for you for Charity Water and have them always promote thirst whenever they're on another person's show. This is something I do. So when somebody asks me for a book recommendation, I always say that the number one book I've ever read is Thirst by Scott Harrison. I do that for two reasons. One, because it is. It's in my top three. But the other reason is because I would rather promote that book that's actually going to do something for the human race than promote the other two books in my top three that people can just DM me for. So that's another thing I do. Well, if Lewis Howes did that at every podcast he attended, imagine how much traction that book would get. It would be absolutely crazy. And the same way that most of his copies that got sold was because of Gary Vee's community. Gary, you promoted the crap out of Scott when he interviewed him. And I, I just wish everyone else would do that because... Everyone needs access to clean water. So that would be the third tactic I would give. And the fourth tactic I would give is making sure that everyone who's liking the Charity Water Facebook page has also bought a copy of Thirst. So one strategy I gave in the book launch, actually, to the rest of the group, is I told them, go on Charity Water and see who in your friend group has already liked their Facebook page. So you you see on Facebook, this person has liked 
whatever, and DM them personally and say, there's a book out. Most people I DM said, oh, I didn't know there was a book and they bought the book right away. If every single person did that, we would sell easily 100,000 copies of Thirst. And that would really increase the personal brand because we would have that in every household. Read the book. They're inspired. They feel connected. They want to be a part of the mission. Okay, so for somebody that's watching or listening right now to this, what would be your advice to them? Clearly, it's read Thirst. What else, and become a member of Spring, what else could they be doing proactively to support Scott and his mission? And or what could they be doing to to study Scott, to learn more about him like you've done? Right. And here's the principle I want to share with everyone is find your Scott, right? Find the person that you admire so much that really changes the trajectory and influences the way you live life. Because after I met him, all of my priorities in life completely changed from, oh, I want to buy this big house. Oh, I want to go to these expensive things to, yeah, I'd rather just live in my mom's basement and do other things. Because if I had half a million dollars, it makes much more sense for me to give 60 grand to charity water than go buy a Benz, right? So for you, that's going to be different who's listening. For you, the person you admire might be somebody else. So that's what I really encourage everyone to do is to be a bit more humble, to have a bit more humility and learn from the people who have done what you want to do and learn from them. And part of that is learning from Scott, whether you want to do something in philanthropy, whether you want to do a business. If you're someone who just wants to make an impact in the world, reading his book will just give you a lot of lessons, whether you support Charity Water or not, that you can just apply back into the problem that you're solving for. And the other Mm. easy thing you can do as well to support is just type the spring Charity Water and just watch that 20-minute video that we talked about today. Love it. Fantastic, man. Well, I love your passion for the cause. And clearly, I think we can all agree every human being should have access to clean water. And this organization's doing so much to make that a reality. And it takes more than one person. It takes collection of people, not only now in our lifetime, but in future generations to do this. So my hope is that the more awareness there is the more people will step up and be a part of this. And in other ways too, if you feel you can help in other ways, like figure that out. And I I really do admire how much you do to support Charity Water and also Scott. And I also fully agree that everybody should find their own hero, their own person who they want to use as a compass or guidepost to help navigate their own life and leave the type of legacy that will last beyond them. So until next time, excited to have another conversation on our next live. Please send us a DM. Let us know what you think of this. Thanks for all the DMs we got on the last one. Exciting to hear people that love this new thing that we're doing. So please let us know what we can do to provide as much knowledge and insight as possible. If you have suggestions for topics, ideas for things that we should explore, we welcome that. And until next time, Please do make it a great one. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Thanks, Brendan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. 
You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.